0: I hope you've come expecting, uh, expecting God to speak to you and to move in a powerful way. And uh, tonight is going to be a little bit different from uh, the rest of our times that we gather for 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, If you come Saturday, and I hope that you do, there will be less teaching than what I'm going to give you tonight. I'm going to, like, I'm going to teach tonight and we're going to spend a little bit of time in prayer at the end. And the same on the next two Wednesdays. Uh, We're going to uh, talk less, pray more for our next three gatherings during this 21 days of prayer and fasting. But I just felt led uh, to share some, some things, a teaching with you, like a kind of a legit Bible study, I think, tonight with you. That actually has been uh, an outline that been, I've been developing and adding to. And it's just kind of been simmering in my heart since uh, last year, like middle of last year. And uh, in fact, I thought that I would share it on a first Wednesday last year, and I just didn't ever feel released to do that until uh, right now in this season of prayer and fasting. So I think like God has a word for us, and I want us to just uh, lean into that this evening, if we can. In fact, why don't we just take a second, why don't we just close your eyes, and just right there where you're at, just say, uh, I just want you to just repeat after me, just say, Holy Spirit, say what you want, do what you want, I'm completely surrendered to you. Amen, 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 amen. So, uh, how many of y'all just sense that God is, is maybe maybe up to something this year? Anybody? I, like, I just, I just think he's, there's some stuff he wants to do and this whole theme that we have uh, believe God has given us for this year of, of as we return to him, he will restore. Uh, and I just think we're, in fact, I wanna ask you to do something as you see God move in your life this year, uh, we, we've never done a really good job at this, uh, but we really want to know about it. Because the Bible tells us to, uh, to gather and grieve and mourn together when there's pain. And I actually think our church does that really well. We care for each other uh, when we're in pain really well. Uh, but we don't, like, really know a lot of times when people are experiencing victory. And and celebrating that, and so as God brings miracles into your life this year, and He is going to, um, would you tell somebody like, write it out on a connection card, and um, and and or send it on an email or share it with a small group leader or, or a ministry team leader or somebody, and um, and we we won't we won't like blast it publicly in a way that would embarrass you or without your permission, um, but we we just we want to know we want to know what God is up to because you never know when your story might be the thing that encourages somebody else's faith to grow up a little bit come on y'all you with me and uh, and so I just want to ask you as we posture ourselves in faith this year that's one of the things we talked about Sunday is we're gonna honor God by by trusting him and having a posture of faith um, then then let's celebrate that let's talk about it as God does good things in our lives and I, I just think like families are going to be restored this year and addictions are going to be broken off of people's lives and secrets that are are in the dark now that we're we're so scared to talk about and it's all gonna God's just gonna bring deliverance and healing come on somebody he's he's gonna do all of that he's gonna do all of it this year and um, and I want to encourage you not to just make this first Wednesday on a second Wednesday a priority uh, as we're in 21 days of prayer and fasting, but maybe just make first Wednesday a priority this year. It is different than a Sunday. Uh, we go more Bible study flow on first Wednesday, and the first year that we really did this monthly, I about killed myself um, because I was preaching lots of Sundays, and uh, just so you know, like the, the, to prepare for first Wednesday is actually more work because we go deeper, and um and so then last year i kind of swung the pendulum the other way and i was like pastor perry you are the first wednesday pastor and um so i'm gonna i'm gonna be a little more in balance with that this year We're, we've got kind of a rhythm now for how we plan our speaking calendar and uh which members of our team will preach throughout the um throughout the year and i'm gonna give a little bit more back to, into first wednesdays this year myself because i just it's a place that i think i can disciple you and talk to you even in some ways that are a little more direct what i would on a sunday when a guest might be like what dude i'm out of here you know what i'm saying so um so i want to encourage you if you're all in with jesus this year maybe think about making the first wednesday services a a, a higher priority uh, if you can and and get back to all of them because we're we're going to go deep into god's word and we're going to go deep into god's presence when we gather for these first wednesday services in 2024. y'all on board with that um uh, so I, I got a lot to say with, to you and I'm going to try to do it fast and we are going to have a little bit of prayer at the end. Um, <clears throat> one other encouragement I have for you, my wife and I were talking about this recently. And I'm, I'm like, I know it kind of even is going to sound hypocritical for me to say it because I'm going to sit up here and use this screen. This is just a helpful tool for me to teach. Uh, but you should know, like my own Bible reading, my Bible study, I'm old school. I am paper Bible. I am, I just, I will sometimes use the Bible app. To help me keep track of a reading plan but my actual reading i want to feel the paper i want to hear the i want the smell and the the page in fact i read a story not too long ago about the psychology of reading paper and we actually tend to retain more and feel better about ourselves because we can see our own progress as the pages turn you all isn't that fascinating um and so i am for as we talk about a return to some things and god will restore I don't know that this is sacred, and it's, it's not anything that um, is a sin if you don't do it, but I want to encourage you to think about going old school with your Bible. I grew up in a generation now, like, that was part of how you knew who was serious about God and who wasn't. It was the size of the Bible they carried into church, you know what I'm saying? It was like, and if you were for real, it was leather, but it was broken and cracked leather because that meant you were using it, you know, you know what I'm saying? My, I remember my grandma's Bible just in the worst shape possible and almost every page had something written on it and highlighting and underlines and just as God was showing her things and teaching her and I learned so much from that and so I'm not I'm not calling for a return to human made religion or traditions I am saying like not all those things are bad sometimes they're helpful you know what I'm saying and um and so maybe just think about Get a paper Bible. We actually, in fact, we have free ones out there if you don't have one, and you can, you can take one of those if you want, and one of your Bibles out there that uh, they're supposed to be for sale, but um, maybe we should just let you have those for free too. Maybe they'd move faster. Um, so uh, <laughs> um, so get, get yourself hooked up, and then bring your Bible to church. Okay? Bring it to church. Be the weirdo. Let's do it. Come on. You all with me? Uh, So if you brought your Bible or if you're using your phone or whatever tonight, two main passages that we're going to work out of. I've got a bunch of other scriptures I'm going to show you on the screen, but two big ones that I want you to pay attention to. uh, Matthew chapter 24 and 2 Chronicles chapter 15. Matthew chapter 24 and 2 Chronicles chapter 15. And I'm going to tell you how I got to where I am on this teaching with you tonight. Um, I have a lot of friends who do what I do. My wife and I talk a lot about, leading a church and ministry. And I'm not trying to make this about us. I don't want, I'm not like, I don't want you to have sympathy on us or anything. I just wanna share a little bit of kind of the, the stuff you don't get to see and the human side of this job that we do in ministry. And I would just say like 2021, 2022, 2023, there's been some incredible wins but probably the hardest three years of ministry I've ever had to do. And this is mostly all I've done since I graduated high school. I jumped right into a Bible school program and an internship. I only worked a secular job for just a few years after youth pastoring before coming here to plant a church. And out of all the years that I've done ministry, this has been the most difficult season. It's been the hardest to lead, It's been the hardest to get people to take their spiritual development seriously which is discouraging sometimes it's been the hardest to get people to just show up and do stuff and commit and be all in for the kingdom and I'm not scolding you this is not a reprimand I'm just letting you know some of the stuff that I've been feeling and it's been interesting because I've talked to pastors that I'm friends with and all over the country this has been a consistent theme. Like this is harder. Like stuff that used to work doesn't work. And we're not even sure what works. Like we're trying everything and, and then people will sit, they say they'll show up and serve and then they don't. Or they even just like showing up to church consistently. Like I, I kind of grew up in a generation of if the doors were open, we're going. Until my, my parents kind of got hurt by some stuff and quit church. But my grandma, thank God, kind of still kept me connected and in a relationship with my youth pastor. But if our church was open, Granny was, her name, we called her Granny, Granny was at church. She did WMs, that's what was short for women's ministry. Uh, she, she did intercessory prayer. Uh, she did, we did Sunday morning service and Sunday night. And we didn't do first Wednesday, we did every Wednesday. Like it was just like, we're going, we're going. And I'm not saying that all of those things were healthy. Like some of those things were built up into, it was like, a oh, and Sunday school. So we did Sunday school first, then we did church. Then we probably did some sort of potluck thing. <laughs> then if you were lucky, you might get an hour break and then you're back at six o'clock for Sunday night. I mean, it was just, it was, it's intense, <laughs> and I don't know that all of that is good, but it's been just—it's been a weird three years, and I wonder if even for some of you, like when we talk about just the spiritual temperature, the atmosphere, the environment, and even like—I don't want to—I don't want to trail off into political stuff, but am I the only one that feels like the moral decay? and the pace at which it is happening is like on steroids right now and then it just and when you do what we do it kind of at times man I'm just being honest with you it flat wears me out I mean like end of 2022 a man and I were both like I'm so burdened right now I don't know how much longer I can do this I didn't want to say that to the church then because I didn't want to freak you out I'm past it now so we're all okay But like i wasn't sure like i literally said hey god and there were some people in our church i probably shouldn't say this (laughs) i'll just say this like i could feel the tension like i'm gonna teach the bible you don't have to like it i'm gonna teach the bible and i could feel the tension with some people and so i was just like okay god either i'm right or they're right me or them Either I stay or they stay, we're not both staying. And I'm still here, so <laughs> thank you, Jesus. I like it, just wear me out. And I wonder if some of y'all have felt just a little like, and we talked about it Sunday, how many of us were not happy with our level of passion and enthusiasm around serving the Lord? And it was, I, honestly, I rolled into Sunday thinking, I bet there will be a few hands. And in both service, it was almost unanimous how many people were like, yeah, I'm not cool with where I'm at right now. And it's just, it's concerning, isn't it? I went to New York City. I know I told you that story on Christmas, but I was sad because my wife and I were there a few years ago, and it's different. Like, I was watching my back. This dude got on the subway, started talking to my family. Your pastor was going to go to jail, y'all. <laughs> like, I had a plan. I, was, I had a plan for how I was going to take this dude out if he didn't back up off my family. It's just diff- it was just different just different and i'm just i found myself going like god what the heck can i say that (laughs) i'm allowed to say that i said (laughs) heck like what is happening can i just do a quick survey how many some of you all over the last year or two years have had a just a feeling of like man something's off like maybe even in just in you like something's off and even your relationship with god Maybe it's not just church stuff that doesn't work like it used to. Maybe even for you, there's stuff that you're just like, it doesn't feel like it used to feel. It doesn't work like it used to work. And the conclusion I came to through prayer and just reading the word is this. Which I hesitate to even use because I grew up in a culture where everybody overused that word. And for us, revival meant you went to church four or five days in a row and everybody fell on the floor. I mean, it was, it was silliness, honestly, some of it. Some of it was very genuine, but some of it was just straight silliness. And I am just, at, I am convinced we need revival. Like, I need revival, you need revival, True Life Church needs revival, Newcastle County needs revival america needs revival we need a move of god a supernatural awakening in our in our in our country once again and so i started studying some of that I started studying like different revivals that have taken place and i started looking at different places that awakenings took place in scripture and and i was just kind of looking for what are the commonalities what are the things that that happen when revival is taking place, which by the way, I know that it feels weird for us, but some of what helps us feel a little better is when you get perspective. Like you guys should know this, America is one of about 17 nations on, on the globe right now, 17 nations on the planet right now where Christianity is either flatlined or diminishing. So it is not growing fast enough to keep up with population growth. That's America right now. We are absolutely, without a doubt, a post-Christian culture right now. We're, and we were postmodern. now we're post-truth. Like now it's just make up your own and roll, whatever you think. So we're one of about 17 nations where Christianity is either flat or in decline. But you should know that God is, God's just fine. Because in 187 nations on planet Earth, the kingdom is growing faster than the population. Yeah. So, because we we have this, we have this because you live in America and it's so influential and our culture's so strong that we kind of think we're the only thing that exists, and we're not. But there's just so many things. I mean, I saw an article yesterday that uh, a large denomination told their told their spiritual leadership in this, in a, I think it's Great Britain, that we don't want you to use the terms husband or wife anymore, because it might offend people when they come to your church. And I was like, so Paul wouldn't be able to speak in a British church, because he flat out is like, husbands, love your wives, and wives, take care of the hut, Like, so, so paul's now disqualified like we're going there and i'm just telling you all i'm not changing i'm take it or leave it we're doing the bible if it's me and my family it's me and my family we're doing the bible not changing not changing and so then the question all everybody has when it gets like this is everybody's like was this it it feels crazy is this it is this the end times is jesus coming back and Jesus says, nobody knows that. Anybody who tells you they know that is lying. But he does tell us, here's some stuff that'll be going on. And so when I look at this in scripture, I certainly have to look at the world we live in right now and go, might be, could be. Wouldn't surprise me if it is, right? Matthew 9, 14, as Jesus says, uh, Some of y'all are gonna be arrested and persecuted and killed. You will be hated. This is the first time in my life that I felt like it is straight up okay to just hate on people because of their faith in the Lord. It's on social media. If, If you scroll through some of the stuff that's going on and how just blatant outright hateful people are right now towards followers of Jesus. And it shouldn't frighten you. Jesus is like, because Jesus told us it was going to happen. And we shouldn't get all worried and offended about it. And we certainly shouldn't use it to run our favorite ideology up the political flagpole. Anybody's toes bleeding? But Jesus said, like, hey, if you're following me, you're going to be hated all over the world because you're my followers and many will turn away. I've been in awe of how comfortable some people have been over the last few years, just walking away, just embracing chaotic, unbiblical theology. It's just, it's heart wrenching and it's like, what is happening? And Jesus was like, I told you, I told you they would, and many are going to turn away from me. And betray and hate each other and many false prophets like when I see some of the stuff that pastors are saying right now and I understand the natural human fear that like what if I offend somebody and they don't come to my church anymore I'm just far more worried about what happens if I offend God like Paul straight up is like y'all want me to make you happy or God happy And I don't think he was being arrogant i think he was drawing his line in the sand and saying like this is my boundary i love you but i submit to god and jesus says it's there's going to be false teachers and they'll appear and they're going to deceive people people are going to be like i'm pretty sure i'm right and you're going to be like but the bible says that i don't care that's deception um Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. Have you noticed just how people just don't care about people? They just don't care. They just don't care. No regard for human life. Like the murder rate right now? Crime? I mean, it's just, I'm not trying to be all dramatic. I'm just telling you, like, it has bothered me. I don't know. Has it bothered you? It's bothered me. Maybe I'm the only one, that bother, but it has bothered. I'm just, I'm like, God, I'm bothered. I'm bothered by the world we live in. I find myself getting a little angsty and angry sometimes. I'm just like, man, what is happening? And so Jesus says, all that's gonna happen, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And, everybody say, and, you ready for some good news? He says, so all this is gonna be happening. The world's gonna be nuts and somehow simultaneously in the midst of all of that 18 17 18 of the most influential influential nations on planet earth they'll be losing their minds walking away from god simultaneously 187 the kingdom will be growing both and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come is this the end i don't know but i feel compelled to teach you based on two premises. Either, either, we, need to be, either we, we need to know all of this because either we're living in it right now or it might be coming and if it comes in your lifetime, wouldn't you be like to be ready? So we're, we're either in it or we need to be ready for it. And then I found another place and there's, you'll see this pattern all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the history of God's people. You'll you'll see this in um, one of the ones I'm going to use is 2 Chronicles 15, the other passage that I'm going to show you. And and you'll see they they had to deal with it too during those what? Dark times. They couldn't go to New York either. (laughs) And there were problems troubling the people of every land, nation fought against nation, city against city. This is the first time in my lifetime where you've seen like in America, Like this state rising up against this state and saying like our way is better. No, our way is better. No, our, it's just, it's weird how divided everybody is. And so there's problems and there's trouble and nation against nation and city against city for, and then we're about to learn what was causing all of this. And you might not be ready for what you see next. I know when I read this, I was like, oh, that wasn't what I thought would come next. So there's dark times, there's war, there's problems, there's, there's violence, there's, there's sin, there's immorality. Why? Who's responsible? Not the devil, God. God was troubling them with every kind of problem. How many know it doesn't matter who you elect president if God's the problem maker? Like, it's not gonna matter what your solution is if God's like, mm, no, I'm gonna keep stirring this up a little bit. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, yeah, but that's Old Testament, right? Yes, you're correct. In the Old Testament, God's wrath is st- very much in the picture, and he is he is making his wrath known, and he is punishing sin on planet Earth in ways that, I mean, like honestly, aren't you kind of glad it isn't that way right now? Like, some of y'all, you are in danger of a lightning bolt this very second if we're in Old Testament times. You know what I'm saying? But aren't... Come on, is anybody glad? Aren't you glad for the cross? Aren't you glad for Jesus that God's, God's wrath towards sin was exercised and fulfilled once and for all when Jesus gave his life on the cross? But before that, if you weren't doing it God's way, he'd be like, okay. How about some plagues? How about I send locusts to devour everything? um I made these people they're wonderful they're but oh wait no now they're all sinning how about a flood and we'll just start over like that's Old Testament come on aren't you I mean we had some flood warnings yesterday but aren't you glad the waters are receding right now they're right I'm I'm glad I am glad I live under the new covenant so God's wrath was let me say it to you this way God's wrath was active in the Old Testament but his wrath still exists today in a, in, a, in a passive way. And I'll show it to you, it's in the Bible. Paul in Romans chapter one says, the wrath of God, is being, it's being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. So, so Paul's like, hey, God's not active with his wrath, But his wrath's not gone either it's he's it's his wrath is actually being revealed and paul goes on to list all of the different issues and sin and scenarios that are going on in romans chapter one and then if you come to verse 24 uh, it shows us how god's wrath is being revealed it says therefore god gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another So now under the new covenant, God's wrath isn't like, oh, you, oh, pastor Perry, I heard you, um, I heard you say that curse word whenever you slammed your finger in the door, (laughs) you're dead. Aren't you glad? Right? Hey, Kyle, I know that thought that just ran through your head. You're gone. Come on. Aren't you, aren't you glad? Am I the only one that's glad? Cause I'm jacked up like this is good news for me but his wrath is being revealed in this way that if you want to just continue to embrace wickedness at some point God will just be like okay have it your way and it's not even that he brings punishment he'll just I'll try to tell you says it again in verse 26 because of this god gave them over have, have at it have at it to shameful us even their women exchange natural sexual relations for unnatural ones and i'm not just trying to hit on sexual issues tonight that's what just those are very prevalent in our culture right now but sin is sin right verse 28 Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God, here it is again, gave them, you wanna do it your way, do it your way. So that they do what ought not to be done. So God's just like, if you insist, if you insist, I'll let you. And y'all, I just, I refuse to live there. So, God's wrath is not active like it was in the Old Testament, but it does show up today, like, and I, just, I would call it this. He'll, he'll do what's called a divine abandonment. And he'll let you. He'll let you take yourself straight to rock bottom. And he'll let you sit and wonder, like, why, is my, why, are my prayers, why do my prayers feel so empty? I used to feel stuff when I go to church, I don't feel stuff anymore. And then secretly, you've, you've chosen some things that are not God-honoring. And when he's tried to convict you of them and draw you to repentance, you've dug your heels in. And you said, no, I want to keep those things, but I also want to feel all tingly when I'm in the presence of God. And God's like, no, I gave you over, have at it. I love you. Come on, parents, every parent has done this at some point. When your kids are being obstinate and you're like, okay, fine. You want to you want to, okay go ahead. Sure. You think you can teach yourself to ride a bicycle? Okay. I'll I'll be inside on Amazon ordering bandages bandages. Have at it. Have at it. Divine abandonment and it can happen, y'all. It can happen. And so the the then the the options are I can either be with God. Come on, y'all. I can either be with God, where there's peace and covering and God is involved in everything that's going on in my life, or I can be without God, where there's chaos and exposure and it feels like God is... He's He's not talking. So then the question, of course, is, what do we do with all that? If I were to ever find myself... In a place where maybe I'm experiencing divine abandonment, and this is not a like this is not a guilt shame thing. This is a God just like I'm just waiting for you. He's not even mad. He's he's heartbroken. He's just like I'm just waiting for you. I've tried. I've tried. I gave you a whole book. I've I've given you countless resources and church services and now now you don't even have to just go to your church. You got, you can be a connoisseur of church thanks to the internet. You can be an expert on sermons and have never opened your own Bible. It's crazy. I mean, we're just, we are overloaded with opportunity and resource to hear about God. And yet still, sometimes we just, we just go our own way. We just, and I'm as guilty of it as anybody else, y'all. I do it too. I get in unhealthy patterns, I make bad choices. I, I was, I've shared this story today, I don't, I don't know if I've ever told the church, I got so busted a couple of years ago, I was just not doing well, I was not doing well at all. And my deal is food. I, my idol, my thing that I will go to if I'm not healthy, and my walk with Jesus is not good, is food. I love food. And I was, in a, I was just wasn't doing well, and I, I would eat for comfort, and I door dashed myself some IHOP in the middle of the night, and then I hid it. I ate it, and then I hid the trash in the receipts. And I tied up a trash bag, and I put it out in our trash pile. Well, what I didn't know is my wife had lost a receipt. (laughs) And while I was sleeping in a little bit the next morning in a sugar coma, She went digging through the trash for a receipt and found my DoorDash and came to me and said, Jeff, Jeff,
1: pancakes?
0: (laughs) At 11 p.m.? And I was so ashamed. I was so ashamed. And that's a, that's a, a, those moments where like if I could have dug in, I could have been like, what do you care? I'll eat what I want, whatever I want. But God was trying to say, like, hey, maybe not the best thing. Maybe not the healthiest option. If I were to find myself in a, in a place of divine appointment, what do I do? What do I do? Well, you, first, you got to make sure that you really understand the problem. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 3, it says, for, for, for a long time. How, do, how did Israel end up in a dark place? It says, for a long time, Israel was without the the true God without a priest to teach them and without the law to instruct them and I, I don't know if you see what I see there but there's three withouts. they were without the true God without a priest to teach them and without the law to instruct them and I'm gonna talk about these three withouts real quick I'm gonna spend most of the time on the first one because I think it's the one most most missing from kind of the way we do Christianity today. And it says, the the first one is, is the first without is this, is that God had been replaced. It didn't say they were without God, it said they were without the true God. In other words, you can have lots of gods. Work can be a god, money can be a god, sex can be a god, come on, y'all with me? entertainment pin can be a god it wasn't that there weren't they didn't have gods it was that they had replaced god they had replaced the true god with something else god cannot y'all and will not be second he won't and if you if you want to know like well how do i know if the if i've got like something in my life that has taken the place of the true god i would encourage you just invite the holy spirit to help you assess your pleasure categories. Like, God's good with you having pleasure. He's, like, it's even okay to eat pancakes. You're just not supposed to eat them at 11 o'clock at night and hide it from your wife. <laughs> assess your pleasure categories and just, figure, like, hey, am I, is there a little, too, like, he's okay with you having your favorite sports team or, or your favorite meal or, or your favorite concert that you, that you go, he's like, he, he's not, freaked out by any of that the only issue is when when that with god's here and then all of a sudden that thing goes here then you so you still have a god you just don't have the true god and when you're serving anything in your life other than the true god darkness is the end game so god will not be second then the, the 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 preachers were silent since they were without a priest to teach. So I'm, I'm kinda like so concerned with some of what I see going on in the Christian world today. Because we just, this is exactly what the Bible said would happen when, when it says people are just gonna go look, they're gonna have itching ears, and they're gonna go find somebody who will tell them what they wanna hear. And I'm not saying that I'm always gonna be right, and there are times that I've had, I've gone back and listened to messages I preached years ago and thought, did you even read the Bible, dude? What were you thinking? So thank God there's grace and we can learn and we can get our theology worked out. Can I hear an amen? Amen. But it shouldn't, I shouldn't go to God's word looking for, to have my feelings affirmed. I should take my feelings to God's word and submit them to what his word says. Right? So it's just very simple, like believe the Bible, teach the Bible, believe the Bible, teach the bible believe the bible Bible. and i'm not changing and you shouldn't either and i'm we're just not going to be silent here we're not gonna be silent and then the last thing is the third without is absolute truth had been abandoned They, they were without the law they stopped reading the law they stopped reading the scripture and and i i'm not trying to go on like a culture rant in fact we're about to turn the corner and talk go a completely different direction we're gonna we're gonna find the answer to all of this but y'all there's not multiple truths there's just truth there's not your truth and my truth and I understand what people are trying to say I know that your experiences are different than my experiences but at the end of the day there's just truth there's just God's Word Or not. There's only one. And people are so confused. But God is not. And and so my attitude is, if I'm going to go to God's word, my attitude has to be, God, every single time, what I think or feel conflicts with your word. I'm wrong, you're right. I'm wrong, you're right. Which is a lot but I'm wrong, you're right. God, you're smart. I'm, every once in a while I am, but nowhere close to you, right? So, the cool thing is, in that same passage, Second Chronicles chapter 15, we see the way out. We see the rescue. So they were, they were without a few things, but they, they found their way back. They found their way back, and that's, that's what revival is all about, isn't it? When we wake up, when we wake up. And so, look, 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse, are you all still with me? Okay, all right. Is this, is this good? Okay. But whenever they were in trouble, so everything's bad, they're without. Whenever they're in trouble, three things got them back. They turned to the Lord. The God of Israel and sought him out and they found him turned sought found which means you know what I want to do in 2024 I want to turn I want to seek and I want to find and you know what I want to do after that I want to find out if there's anywhere else that I need to turn seek and find and after that I'm going to turn seek find y'all with me like I mean, this is how they got back. This is how they got back in favor. This is how they got out of the chaos and got back under the covering of God. And so I, I see three things there. The turn to the Lord, seek Him out, and find Him. The first one is a word that um, we just honestly, we don't spend enough time on anymore, I don't think. And that, that first one is to turn to the Lord. That, that is the act of repentance. It's, it's just to turn. Repentance is just simply to recognize like, oh, I was going the wrong direction. I need to stop and I need to turn. Well, Where do I turn? To the Lord. To wherever he is. To wherever his word is directing you. To wherever the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your heart is taking you. Which, by the way, you can always know if that conviction is conviction by checking it against the word. They will not conflict with each other. And so if we return, if we return and repent, he restores everybody, amen? Amen. And so we gotta, like, here's one of the things we need to return to, we've gotta return to lordship. Like, hey God, you're the boss, you're in charge. Every revival in the history of this planet is marked by massive moves of repentance. Just people in droves recognizing, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? God, I am surrendered to you, fresh, brand new, all over again. I don't wanna do it my way anymore. I surrender to you, Jesus. Martin Luther, during the Reformation, wrote this. He said, he, he wrote a list of, nine. is it 92? 92, is it Pastor Perry? 92, 93 things that he said when the, during the Reformation. He says, hey, here's the list of all the things we're getting wrong. The very first one was, we've abandoned repentance. And he says, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he willed that the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. Not just the, oh, I got saved, I gave my heart to Jesus. But like, oh, I lost my temper with my wife. I repent. Oh, I used sign language on I-95. I repent. <laughs> oh, I've just been, I've been lazy in my attitude towards God and I haven't spent time with him. I repent. I need to change direction. It's not guilt. It's not shame. It's just turn, just turn. Can you imagine like if the GPS when you're driving shamed you every time you took a wrong turn? We joke about this in our car when I'm driving somewhere, and I'm like, you know what? I want to go this way instead, and the GPS is like, no, no, what are you doing? I'm like, wouldn't that be funny if like Google was like, wrong turn, moron? That'd be, I just think that'd be hilarious. I want a GPS that insults me, but it doesn't, right? What's it do? It just says okay we'll, re, we'll recalculate we'll reroute we'll find a way to get you where you're supposed to be i'm just going to tell you guys it's so awesome that we serve a god that every time we repent he just goes okay you were over there that what i had planned for you but it's cool i've still got a way to get you to the final destination we'll just reroute we'll recalculate but it only happens if we're willing to turn gotta repent it changes everything in your life to stay in a posture of repentance." Y'all with me? So what Paul says in Hebrews, he says, be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. Paul's like, hey, when the Holy Spirit talks, listen you're not escaping he's everywhere he sees everything he knows what's going on and when god spoke from mount sinai his voice shook the earth but now he makes another promise once again i will shake not only the earth but the heavens also this means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable in other words like I think of it like, a, like an old car, and you've started putting your own modifications on it, but you don't have the bolts tightened down, and so you go down the road, and stuff's just shaking. It's like, like, that's some of our spiritual lives right now, because you've picked up this habit. You've picked up this idol. You've added this thing in, and so you're trying to take this spiritual journey, and stuff's just shaking all over the place, and, and the Holy Spirit's saying to us tonight, like, hey, cut that stuff off. Get that stuff off of you. It was never meant to be there in the first place, and get back to being unshakable in your journey towards what God has for you. Like that's what he's trying to do. He says, uh, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with what? Holy fear and awe. So listen, we teach the relationship with Jesus and how we can just come to him the way we are. It's the same book of the Bible that says we can come boldly into the throne room of God, and he is a relational God, but he is also a God to be reverenced. He's not your co-pilot or your homeboy. He's God. He made everything. Come on, y'all. He's to be bowed down before. He's to be looked at with fear and wonder and awe and amazement and to understand that you will never understand his greatness, his goodness, his massive power and all that there is to it. Your little brain would just fry in an instant if you could see it all. And when we see him for who he is, like, we have to repent. Like, oh, my gosh, what was I thinking? I'm not asking you to be perfect church. But I'm trying to teach you a way of living that will get God's attention. If you will stay in a posture of being willing to repent, not walking around in fear and guilt all the time, but just, hey God, am I good? Is this what you you want me to do? No? Okay, I'll turn. What do you want? You tell me. You're You're the boss. I'm willing to repent at any moment. Y'all getting that? That's why, that's why he said that in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sins and restore their land. I think repentance is the one thing most missing from kind of like the Western Christian subculture right now. You want to know know why David got labeled man after God's own heart? It wasn't because he was the most right or the most spiritual. In fact, he was guilty of some of the worst sins out of all God's leaders ever in history. You want to know why David made it back? Because he was the most repentant. He was the most repentant. He was the most willing to go, oh, what was I thinking? God, I'm so sorry. You, know, you remember what he did? Sent his, sent his army out to fight when he was supposed to be with them. Hung back and watched a neighbor's wife take a bath on the roof of the house. Thought she was beautiful. Invited her over. Took her for his own. Sent her husband out to the front lines of battle and had him killed so that he could keep Bathsheba for herself. And then he experienced divine abandonment. God was like, no, we're not doing that. But David's response, everybody, Psalm chapter 51, have mercy on me, God. I'm so sorry. I I hope you just just feel it, I just feel like the Holy Spirit just right now. Just like for some of us, there's some things in our life where we just need to go, oh God, have mercy on me again. I blew it again, I'm sorry. But I know your love is unfailing because of your great compassion. Would you, would you blot out my sins? Wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin. No, no David's not like, I need you to affirm me, God. Affirm me in all of my decisions, or else you don't actually love me. No, 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 he's going, because you love me, show me where I'm jacked up. I need your help, God. I'm not okay, I need you. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. You're right, God. I was born a sinner from my first I was a sinner. David was, I was, you were too. From the moment my mother conceived me, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. Michaela, why don't you come, I don't know where you're at. And you will not reject a broken, and repentant heart, oh God, a broken spirit. I'm not trying to heap guilt or condemnation on you, but can I just ask you a question? When's the last time you, like, for real, repented? And you're just like, God, I, I don't know what I've been thinking. I keep taking over control of my own life again, over and over and over. I, I keep running back to that old habit, God. I keep, I keep hiding pancakes from my wife. God, I just, like what, I don't, I don't know your thing, I know my things. And when is the last time that you were just like, I gotta turn. I gotta turn. I gotta turn. You don't have to. You could dig your heels in. You can do that. Well, if God loved me, then He would, then He just want me happy? Actually, no, that's nowhere in the Bible. He wants you holy. And your holiness actually will lead to fulfillment. But at first Peter, chapter five, verse five, he, he echoes an Old Testament passage and says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Can I, can I tell you, I've had some seasons in my life where I've got this wrong. And God had to humble me. And if, I could, if some of my pain could save you, let me just say this: it'd be better if you humble yourself. It would be better if you humble yourself. I, I don't want God to ever have to humble me ever again. I'm sure it's going to happen, but I don't want it to. But if we humble ourselves, then he lifts us up. He lifts us up. So repentance, they turned. Last two, I'll go quick. They sought him out, that's prayer. That's why we're in a season right now of prayer and fasting. And I spent a bunch of time on this on Sunday, so I'll just, I'll be quick here. Can I just encourage you, keep seeking. Keep seeking the Lord in prayer. Keep seeking and keep seeking and keep seeking and keep seeking that he may come and shower righteousness upon you, everybody. That like we said Sunday, this is our passage for 2024, that he might restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. We're returning to you, God. We're gonna repent. We're gonna turn and we're gonna seek you. We're gonna keep seeking you, and we're gonna keep seeking you, and we're gonna keep seeking you, and we're gonna keep seeking you. Habakkuk 3.2, this is what I want right now. It says, I have heard all about you, Lord. I'm filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us. Everybody say the next word. Again, like I don't wanna just know what God did in the past revivals, I want him to do it now. So we seek him in prayer. Help us again as you did in the years gone by. They turned, that's repentance. They sought him in prayer. And then, y'all, they found him. He showed up. It happened. And I don't know if you've experienced it before, it's happened sometimes in this room. These sweet, divine moments when the presence of God shows up in a way that is just indescribable and inexplicable, and then he just does stuff. We just sit and enjoy his presence and we're repentant. We're broken before him and we're passionate about worshiping him and seeking him. And let me tell you what I'm most excited about. You know, historically, revivals are marked by two things one is massive repentance, but the other one is an awakening among young people, teenagers, and college students. And over the last couple years, we, I've seen in some of the teenagers in our church, a spiritual hunger develop. Like they've been some of the most, these 21 days of prayer and fasting that we're in, they'll, they will be some of the ones who linger in the front of this room the longest, tears streaming down their face, crying out for God to move in their lives and their families and their generations. And we could learn something from them. I've heard about them going to these, we, we, I told our youth leaders a couple years ago, you gotta take our students to this thing in Alabama. There's a conference every year. I want our students there, because I want them to see what happens in a room full of thousands of teenagers when everybody's on fire for Jesus and everybody's fired up for God. I want them to experience that and I want them to see what happens. And so we started sending students there. And every time now, I, I've got, I'll get text messages back from the leaders here, they'll get texts back from my daughter. This last year was funny, because my daughter just sent three words, big crying moment, because the presence of God just. And students were praying for each other and pouring their hearts out. Y'all remember that? Some of y'all that went? Wouldn't it be cool if it happened here? Wouldn't it be cool if you could be a little bit contagious and some of that would spread to all the old people? Like me. Then we had a group of, young adults this past week that went to a passion conference. And I'm just telling you, it's happening. Like there is, there is something cooking under the surface in young people in America right now. And they didn't just fill up an arena, they filled up a football stadium. Mercedes-Benz Dome. And I had friends texting me from other churches going, I've never, I've never felt anything like what I just felt, like the presence of God just totally wiped me out. In a good way. Some people are like, I thought he wasn't doing that kind of wrath anymore. (laughs) No, like in a good way. Like he just. And we need revival, we need the presence of God to come. Do you know? In 1936, Harvard University was founded. I'm not picking on them because they've been in the news lately, I just found this interesting. Do you wanna know what the first stated mission of Harvard was in 1936? To be plainly instructed and consider well that the main end of your life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ. That's where it started. Y'all know who Jonathan Edwards is? Wrote Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. It launched the Great Awakening, another great revival that swept across America. His grandson was the eighth president of Yale and Yale experienced a revival, a move of God. And in fact, at one time, the requirements to be a student at Yale read, seeing that God is the giver of all wisdom, every student besides his private and secret prayer will be present morning and evening for public prayer every day every day y'all you know why we do wednesday and saturday because we couldn't get anybody to show up every day i'm just telling the truth we couldn't get people to show up so we're like maybe we'll show up twice a week and we have but i'm praying for revival to hit this house in the way that people start going like hey how come we're not there on Monday? Hey, pastor, how come nobody's there on Tuesday? Hey, pastor, can I have a key? I'll get some people there. I'll pray on Thursday. I'll come. I know you're Sabbathing on Friday. We won't bother you, but we're going to be in the house praying. Hey, pastor, can we get out on Sunday? We want to pray for, for or Saturday. We want to, you can come on Sunday. Can we get out on Saturday? We, we want to pray for, like, and I'm not trying to manipulate you into anything. I'm just asking God, like, God, put that kind of fire, put that kind of hunger, stir it up in our generation, God, that we just cannot get enough of you. Princeton University, you know what the, they, they had a, a move of God in the young people of their generation, you know what, they used to have something called the Princeton Pledge. It read like this, we hold ourselves willing and desirous to do the Lord's work wherever he may call us, even if it be in foreign lands. Billy Graham once said that if a group of students, if a generation would get on fire for Christ. They could single-handedly transform their entire generation. I want revival. Not because it's a churchy word and it sounds good and not because I come from Pentecostal roots. Because I'm hungry for a sincere, honest, genuine move of God. The kind that people would look at and say, well, that's that's inexplicable, it must be real. The kind where people had cancer but they don't anymore. The kind where marriages were headed for divorce but now they're a healthy, beautiful home. The kind where people were living under addiction but now they're, they're free and they can't even explain it. It's just something just switched inside of them. And I know that's not gonna be how it works for everybody but it can happen, I've seen it happen and it's beautiful when it does. so we're gonna shift into prayer. Would you stand in your feet with me tonight? And and I, I know what time it is. So at any point, if you need to leave, you just leave. You guys can take the screen. But before we do anything else, Holy Spirit, come. And and worship team, I know you guys are getting ready to play, but if you need to respond to what I'm about to say first, we will wait. We don't have to sing right away. Tech Arts, if you need to walk away from a soundboard or a computer or a camera, we'll be all right. but before we go any further, I just sense the Lord saying, let's come back to repentance. And right now the Holy Spirit is moving around this room and he's kind of tapping on our hearts and saying, would you turn? Will you give me that? Will you release that? Will you surrender that? Will you come back to me? Will you return to your first, will you stop trying to fix it all on your own? Would you stop ignoring me? And I'm not trying to manipulate you, but there was a time when the way we did this, was we, we would call the front of the church the altar. The reason we called it that was because it's, it was symbolic of a place to come and meet with God and pour out your heart before God. In the Old Testament, the altar was a place that would be built to sacrifice or to meet with God or to remember something that God did. And we don't have the old school altars that you can kneel at. Maybe we should get some of those. I would want them to not look traditional because I'm weird like that, but I I wanna invite you in this next few minutes, if there's anything the Holy Spirit is is impressing on your heart to repent to really repent and maybe maybe leverage this place in our room as a meeting place with god and you don't have to have a kneeling rail you can come and just kneel on the floor before him or maybe you need to find a corner of the room or turn at the seat where you're at i'm not trying to force this on anybody and i'm not trying to draw you into something that's uncomfortable but if you sense the Holy Spirit calling you to repentance, I wanna encourage you to put put some sort of motion with that, something that that will make this moment stand out, stick out in your life and and come and meet with the Lord and just repent and pour your heart out before him. So if that's you, I don't want you to worry about what anybody else thinks. Somebody's gotta go first, and that will be the one that opens the, the floodgate. But if you need to come and repent, and you need to just come meet with God and just surrender back to Him, the things that you've been holding on to, would you just come? Or find a place in the room? Or if you're just most comfortable right where you're at, God will meet with you there, that's fine. But let's just, God, we just repent. We're so sorry. God, I'm so sorry, I'm greedy, I'm selfish, I'm short-tempered. I can be lazy sometimes. I can trust myself too much, I can lean on my own skill, my own talent too much, God. Sometimes I think I know everything, I can be so prideful and so arrogant. God, I just repent, I just turn to you, I'm so sorry. So sorry, God. We're so sorry, God. We're so sorry,
1: God. for us. Just pour your heart out to him.
0: your heart, you repent to Him. The the goal is not to wallow in in your wrongdoings, it's it's to get it out of the darkness and into the light, get it in front of God, repent and turn, and then begin to seek Him in prayer. God, I am seeking You. I want what You want from me. I want to know your voice. I want to be hungry for your presence God. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to have a prayer life. I want to I want to experience your presence when I'm not at church. I want to experience your presence in the quiet of my own room or my own home or, or the, my, my drive to and from work, God. I, I am seeking you. I'm seeking to be with you and in, in your presence. So just just turn now from, if you've got it all out, if you've repented of all of it, turn to just seeking the face of God and the presence of God and let him know God, we want you. We want to be with you. We want to experience all that you have. We want to, we want to hear what you have to say, God. We're seeking you out tonight. And you use your own words and just seek the face of God. Seek him
1: falling as we Savior is for us, His love is victorious, and revival is right. Fire is falling as we see. Savior is for us. His love is victorious.